Welcome. It's great to see you guys here today. Thanks for coming. Appreciate you being here. I'm excited about the series we're starting today, Relationship Recovery. Sometimes we feel like we've lost a step, lost something in our relationship, and how do you get that back? That's what today's series and really today's message is all about. You know, we have a lot of singles in our church. In fact, if you're single, whatever campus you're at, raise your hand right now. Hold your hand high if you're single. Come on, hold your hand high. Now look around. This is your opportunity right now. I'm giving you an opportunity. Just trying to help you out. You're all like, you? Trying to help you. Slide in those DMs. Slide in the DMs. You know, it's so fun when you're single, you're... You're on the prowl, you're looking for somebody, you know, and, and so you want to impress them. And so you're, you're trying to go to the right places to do it. And, and church is the right place, by the way. Church Unlimited has more singles in, in gathered in one place than anything around. And so we have more singles here than any club or bar, and this is the right place to do it anyways. And so keep coming. Let's give up our singles. Glad you're here. You know, when we're trying to pursue someone, we try to put on our best impression. In fact, in the animal kingdom, a pigeon trying, a, a male pigeon trying to get the attention of a female pigeon will actually puff out his chest and then he'll start squawking to get her attention. I've noticed this in the animal, ki- in, in, in the human kingdom too, that uh, boy, men will see a girl and stick out his chest, start trying to walk up all cool, you know. And then nowadays, some girls stick out their chest too, but that's a whole other sermon. We're not gonna, we're not gonna get into that today. Well, let's say you meet, you grab their number, you, you get coffee, then maybe you go on a date. Now you find yourself dating this person. And what's different about this person is that it's getting better and better each date, not worse and worse till, until you break up. And you think, this, this will really be it. God, this could be the one that you brought for me. And eventually there's a proposal. You set a wedding date. You're all excited. You're so focused on this. It's gonna be great. Finally, the one for your, the rest of your life you're gonna be married to. And you get married. Two and a half years to four years in, psychologists tell us that that's about the time that you go from being happily married to being a bit disappointed. And then you have to realize, huh, the quirks that I used to think were quirky are now just annoyances to me. And I used to kind of deal with them, now I just have to put up with it. And all of a sudden you realize you've kind of lost that luster, you've lost those loving feelings, you've lost your step a bit in your relationship. How do you gain that back? That's what today is all about. And so I'm excited about this message because there's a scripture I want to read to you that actually God was talking to Christians in general. He's talking to the church in Revelation chapter two. And he says, you've lost your first love. But he says, here's how you can get it back. And you may say, wait, hold on. You're telling me the scriptures for God speaking to the church? Yes. But remember that in Ephesians, God says that our marriages are, an exa- are to be an example, an illustration, if you will, of Christ and his bride, the church. And so really, when God says, here's how you get back to where you should be with me, it's a great prescription on how we should get back with each other as well. And so I'm excited about this. Before I go any further, though, if you're not sitting by your spouse, you got kids in between you, get up, move them over and sit by them. Would you do that right now? Go ahead. It's okay. You're not going to bother us in whatever campus you're at. Just get up and go sit right beside your spouse. Would you do that? Because this is going to make a difference, I promise you. And so if you're like one row off or something, we had some people have to like, they're, they're splitting rows. That's fine. But please do that. Go ahead and get right by your spouse. This is an interactive service today. I'm very excited about this. And so as you do that, let me jump into scripture. Revelation 2, you guys ready? Yeah. Oh, no, come on now. You guys ready? Yeah. All right, here we go. Revelation 2. 
God says this, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. Wow, it's pretty harsh. So in this, we see God's prescription of how to get right with God, but also how to get right with your spouse and to get in sync with each other again. So I'm excited about this. And so let's just jump right in. The first thing we see here, number one, if you want to take some notes, I encourage you to do that. Number one, and by the way, all the notes that I, that I preach each week are on our Church Unlimited app. I want to encourage you to download that app if you would do that. And so please, that'll help you keep up. Also, we try to support what we're teaching each week on my Instagram, uh, on Jessica's Instagram, on our, our church pages as well. So I want to encourage you to, to follow us. Please do that. Number one is this, recognize the loss. Revelation 2, 4 says, but I had this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Remember all the things you should do for each other at first? You're always thinking of the other person, not yourself. You're always affirming in your words. You were sensitive to what they needed, to any concern they had. Or even when you had your first fight, how fast you got through that because you were so sensitive to how they felt. We have to admit we've, we've lost a step. And it's easy for this to happen. It happens to all of us. So recognize the loss. And then number two, remember how it all started. Revelation 2, 4 says, look how far you have fallen. Fallen from what? Remember back to the day. In fact, right now, if you're sitting by your spouse, here's what I want you to do. Remember where you first met and how you first met? Go ahead and whisper in their ear how you first met. Just go ahead and share that real quick, one to the other. Go ahead and do that. Just, just say where you were, right? That's fine. Maybe it was online. Maybe it was in person. Maybe a friend introduced you. However you met, that's great. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. And so I wanna encourage you with this scripture that even if we have fallen, we can rise again to the occasion and we can get that loving feeling back, that romance, that, that passion back. So go ahead right now, you, you just remember where you first met. Now you remember where you went on your first date? Go ahead and whisper that in your ear right now. Where was your first date? Go ahead and tell them. Do you remember the butterflies you had in your stomach? Do you remember your first kiss? Oh, I mean, it was amazing, wasn't it? Unless they just ate corn nuts, then not so amazing. <laughs> but I mean, that first kiss is incredible. So my wife and I made a decision, we were dating because we were really close friends before we started dating. And we just knew, I, I could sense God was in this. So I just said, hey, let's do this for the first 30 days. Let's commit to not kissing. So we didn't kiss for the first 30 days. So we just talked and we talked and we talked. We got to know each other so well. And then when that first kiss happened, I will never forget where it was. And it was electric. <laughs> I was like, I thought fireworks went off all around me. You remember that, babe? I will never forget where we were. She's like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was powerful, right? Remember the first time you held hands? Remember that? How about when you finally introduced them to your friends? Or, or maybe they were in your friend group, but you first, now you had to go introduce them to your parents, right? Just remember those moments, that, that joy, that excitement, maybe that sheer terror to introduce them to your dad, right? That could happen too. Remember how it all started. Now, my wife had this funny thing. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but she, she told me one day, she said, I just want you to know, the only person I've never said, she's never said ever to anyone, she said, I've never told anyone I love them. I'm saving that for who I'm going to marry. And I was like, okay, okay. I get that. And I, and I had, I had said that before, but she never said it. So I'll never forget the day that I looked at her and I just knew it was time. And I said, 
I love you. And she said, thank you. <laughs> I wanted to throw myself off a cliff. In this moment, I was like, you realize how vulnerable I'm being right now? Thank you. And this went on, by the way. This was not a short season of like, I love you, thank you. I love you still, thank you still. But eventually the day came when I said, I love you. And she said, I love you back. And I knew, whoa, this is it. This is, this is a done deal. And so I was so excited about that moment. So remember how it all started. And then this is so important. Jesus tells, God tells us how to fix things. Romans 2, 5, turn back to me. This is not complicated. It's actually incredibly simple. The word turn back in the original language is, is repent. Repent comes from the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia means, look right here, it's just a curtain, look right here. And you're like, oh, it's so cool. It sounds like a curtain's turning. It's a curtain. Metanoia means change directions. It also means change your attitude. So you guys, we don't need a new marriage. You just need a new attitude on the same old marriage you have. If you have that, it changes everything. So he says, turn back to me to repent. This is not a command to feel sorry or really feel anything. It means to change your direction, to go a different way. Uh, a theologian named Robertson said, it's an urgent appeal for instant change of attitude, conduct, and conduct before it's too late. It's very important we understand this. So how do you do this? How do you, how do you actually repent towards your spouse? We understand repenting to God, saying, God, I'm so sorry. I should have done that. Lord, I want to get right with you. How do you do that with your spouse? The same way, honey, I'm so sorry. I should have done that. I shouldn't have said that or I should have done this when I didn't. And so it says in James five, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Real healing happens in your relationship when you say you're sorry. I believe the three most powerful words in the English language are not I love you, they are I am sorry. They're very, very powerful words. And so maybe today you need to repent for neglecting your family. Maybe you need to say you're sorry for a critical spirit or being domineering. Maybe you're sorry for being selfish. Maybe you're sorry for being unfaithful with your eyes or, or worse. Maybe you're sorry for being abusive. And maybe even I dare say, maybe you've raised your hand towards the one you love. Maybe you're sorry for pride. Pride means you've been too arrogant to get help for your marriage when your spouse asked you to. And so where is it that you need to say you're sorry? I want to encourage you to do that. And then Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So let's repent right now and have a sorry session. So just turn to your spouse right now across all of our campuses and just whisper in their ear what you're sorry for. It's okay to do that. I just did this a few minutes ago backstage with my wife. I told her what I was sorry for, something very specific. And she thanked me. Go ahead and do it right now. Come on, I don't hear you. Come on, Portland. I don't hear you. Rockfield. Rockport, Stone Oak, come on, Padre Island. Come on, Rockport, come on. Just take a moment, just share, it's okay, just do that. Those of you who are single, maybe you need to pull out your phone and text a friend and say, I'm really sorry, I, I haven't treated you well. It's okay to do that. Maybe a, a student, maybe a young person sitting next to their parents and you need to say, I'm sorry for my attitude lately. Or I'm sorry I've been so insensitive to you. Or, I haven't, I'm sorry I haven't responded when you've asked me to do something. So just get that out. A sorry session is such an important thing in all of our relationships, not just our marriages. 
William Vanstone, in a, in a book he wrote called The Phenomenology of Love, writes about the difference between false and true love. He says, false love is when you do something for someone, when you act loving towards them, fully expecting something in return. That's a false love. And if we're honest with each other, all of us really do false love. That I love you, but I'm going to do some certain things. And I guess I have to admit, I do have some expectations on what you will do for me in, in return. We all t- have a tendency for this. In fact, he, he talks about this from a theologian's perspective, that the problem with marriage is that that's all we can do unless we know of an unconditional love. But so, so here's where this comes together. Jesus can love you unconditionally, but how can he do that? Because if anyone needs love, then they can't give unconditional love. Well, we all need love, all of us. Why is it that some people say, no, I know a person, they don't need love. They're just in the business world and they're cold as ice. Well, actually, if you look closely, you'll see that they're going for goals that would give them business world love. They're going for accomplishments, so they're still seeking love. This is the aging athlete who just refuses to retire. There's still more goals to reach. And he's like, I just want to continue to feel the love, the adulation, right? So we all have this tendency in us. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but Genesis 1 says God created the heavens and the earth. But Genesis 2, when God makes man, it doesn't say God. It says, let us make man in our image. Why are they changing language? Well, first of all, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were there with God because God is one with them when God created the world. The language change is, try, is, is to help you, not, you and I understand something. Jesus doesn't need us, but he wants us. So they created us to be in relationship with us, right? But they're already in perfect community, perfect love. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are perfectly loving each other and accepting and receiving each other. So when Jesus was sent to this earth, God says, for God so loved the world that he sent his Son Jesus died for our sins, and now if we receive him in our lives, then he gives us unconditional love. Jesus loves you even on your worst day. Jesus loves you when you've messed up and blown it. Well, before you even loved him, he loved you. And so we can receive that unconditional love. Let me see why this is so important. When your boss is, it hasn't recognized all the extra work you're doing, instead of being angry and frustrated with it, you can say, I'm already loved. I'm fully accepted by the Father. I'm fully loved by, by Jesus. I, I'm good. If, if someone doesn't recognize something you're doing, it's good. If, you know, if I don't hear any, any good sermons today, it's okay. I'm fully loved. I mean, I love hearing that, but God fully accepts me and loves me. What I'm trying to say is that he fills my love tank completely. And the reason it's so important is because I can love my spouse without needing her. I do need her, God designed us to need each other, but I can be full of unconditional love and then love her without expecting anything in return. She does the same for me. Dare I say there's probably been moments that she has responded in love towards me, that she has loved me or even made love to me, probably not feeling it. But she was like, I love him. I choose this to love him unconditionally, even though I'm frustrated with him that she chooses to love me. There's been times when I have loved her. I've taken that garbage out and I wasn't feeling it when I was taking the garbage out. (laughs) But I did it because I love her. Does that make sense? 
because both Jessica and I have been filled with an unconditional love from Jesus, because of that, even when we're disappointed with each other, we can still love each other fully. This is the difference between a Christian marriage and a non-Christian marriage. This is why singles, I beg you, as the scripture tells you, to wait for someone who is a Christian and loves the Lord, a godly person. Because if they're filled up with love of God, they can love you when you're not very lovable. And we all have those moments. Does that make sense? Aren't you thankful for the unconditional love of God that even makes it possible for us to love this way? What I'm trying to say is you got to learn to love them like you've never been hurt by them. That's how God loves us. He loves us as if we never sinned against him, even though we have. And God wants us to learn to love that way as well. And this is why it's so important that we forgive because sometimes, sometimes someone says, uh, uh, please forgive me or I'm so sorry, but we don't forgive them and it holds back our love. But God forgave you. So why would you not pass on that forgiveness, that unconditional love to them? And so what do we do next? Number four, do the things you did at first. Honestly, sometimes we just get put out by our spouse, but that's a sign you're being put out. It's probably things you already knew about them before, but you used to just call them a quirk. Now you call it an annoyance. I want to encourage you not to be put out, but instead begin to do these things. Re Revelation 2.5 says, turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Here's some things you used to do. You used to get her door, guys. Remember that? You would get her door. She'd never even touched the handle of a door before you came along, right? I mean, but, when you came along. And so have we forgotten that? Remember when you used to pray together? Just taking a moment just to pray with each other and for each other. You remember talking all night? You guys know what I'm talking about. You, you'd literally be on the phone. I had a roommate that did this. He'd be on the phone all night with his girlfriend. All I'd ever hear in the back room was, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. I'll be, I'd walk in, just grab the phone. Give me, hang up the phone. Drive me crazy. <laughs> you just want to talk all night. Remember when you used to get their coffee? You used to go get them coffee? Now, my wife's not a coffee person. She's a Dr. Pepper person. And so, but I don't understand this. I, I still don't get this, but I do it for her, but I don't get it. She, for some reason, think Dr. Pepper tastes better out of a fountain. <laughs> Look at that. Some of you know. Some of you agree. Look, it's a thing, apparently. I did not know this. But so it's like, if it's from Dr. McDonald's, it's better. I don't know why. I think McDonald's knows this because when I buy the large drink and I bring it home to her, it's so big I could wash our dog in it later. <laughs> but she's, I walk in, she's like, oh. And I just go, here's your baba. Here's your baba. She loves her baba, right? You used to do a date night. Remember this? You get all dressed up. You go out. Remember when you were, remember when you were just dating this person that you're now married to? Remember, come on, ladies. You remember you ordered a salad at dinner. Later that night, you ordered a pizza. But, you know, you didn't tell them that. But no, but, but remember, remember this? How about this one? You used to write love notes to one another. Little things. Just, next time, grab their lipstick and just write on Although now, if I did, I think my wife would be like, you just ruined my lipstick. You know, she'd be <laughs> upset. Now you got to clean the mirror, right? So. How about this one? You used to get dressed up for each other. Remember that? This is one of the advantages of the church. At least once a week, you see that they have something other than sweats. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's a good thing, right? And so, but, you know, getting dressed up for another, that, that still matters. It still counts. Guys, you should take care of yourself a little bit more physically. You're like, I want to kind of keep looking good for her. I want to stay in good shape. That, that stuff matters. How about this? You used to be more affirming in your words and honor them with the things you said about them. You used to literally, this is a word we don't use in marriage, we used to literally admire them. That's so important. 
That matters so much. When Jessica, listen, you can say my sermon's good, that's fine. But when Jessica says it's good, I turn into the sermonator. <laughs> Just hearing it from her is a game changer to me. You used to respect them. You should show love to them. What is it that you used to do? Go back to do those things again. Now let's talk about sex real quick. Can't have a talk on rekindling the flame without having some sex, right? So there's a study that was done called The Case for Marriage by Linda Waite and Maggie Gallagher. This is a secular study. What they found was that the most satisfied sexually, they were having more sex and enjoying it more the number one rank, the top rank type of person that was having more sex and more enjoyable sex than anyone else were evangelical married Christians. Boom. God knows what he's doing. Isn't that cool? Brian Shoe said the boom, boom. He knows what he's doing. That's, we're all good there. So yeah, it's really true. They found out, and there's been a lot of other studies that have been done all by secular universities. And they find again and again, it's the highly religious evangelical Christians that are married. They did not cohabitate beforehand. They waited. God blesses that guys. He really does. And so I wanna encourage you to hold out, do it the right way and watch God bless it. What I'm really trying to say is this, if the minivan with the Christian fish emblem on the back is a rockin', don't come a knocking. <laughs> so I'm trying to say. That just gives me such a bad image in my brain. That's just <laughs> so wrong. The next one is this. Make plans to rekindle the flames with great intention. Revelation 2 says, if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among churches. What's a lampstand? It's what holds the fire. So God, in the context of marriage, you say, if you don't keep the fire burning, the lampstand may leave. I'm just telling you, I have seen it, guys, time and again, when you get too casual. You may think, oh, we're good, but they're thinking, oh, we're not good. You may be on two different playing fields and not even realize it. And so you can accidentally bankrupt your account. You may think, oh, we got $5,000 on account, and your spouse is going, I think there's maybe 100 bucks in there. And you do one more thing, one more dumb thing, and you bankrupt it and they're gone and you don't know why they're gone. It's because you thought you'd never checked the balance. You never asked, how are we doing? You never had a sorry session. Just say, hey, baby, is there something like, is there a way I can improve? Is there something I can do? So it really matters that we listen to one another. I want to give you something practical really quick here. Did you know that 42% of Americans have fallen back in love with their partner after going on a vacation together? Interesting, 42%. This is one of the most powerful things about getting away together is that, you know, my wife likes to travel. I just like to chase after her. That's why I'm there. <laughs> I don't care where it is. She'd be like, we're going to Furio. Let's go. It's going to be awesome. I'm just chasing her. So I want to encourage you, no offense if you live in your Furio. It's a fine town, nothing wrong with it. Please don't send me your email. The point is, is that just getting that time away sometimes is one of the best things that you can do. But I want to just tell you this real quick too, because I don't know where you're at in your marriage. I want to be really realistic and, and practical here today as well. I just want to encourage you with this. There was a study that was done out of the University of Chicago. They found that eight out of 10 couples in their marriages that were categorized as very unhappy, five years later, it was a, it was a longitudinal study, it was done over years. The category of, of couples that were unhappy, five years later, were happy. Which tells me, hang in there. 
Don't quit on your marriage. In fact, they did in the same study, they found the couples that had divorced five years later, two out of three of those couples wished that they had tried harder in their marriage. Wow. So I just want to encourage you when you say, yeah, we're thinking about ending it. No, you, you already thought about what you can do about the marriage when you made your vows and sickness and in health for better or for worse. You already made that commitment. Now it's just time to live it out. So I just want to challenge you, don't give up. Don't quit too soon. So if, you, if I could summarize this, it's real simple. Remember how law started. Repent and rekindle. Remember, repent, rekindle. Now we're going to do something kind of fun. This is really going to be a moment across all of our campuses. If you're married, sitting next to your spouse, would you stand up? We are now going to renew our vows. Yeah. Go ahead and stand up with your spouse. Would you do that? Honey, would you come up here? My wife is going to join me on stage. Poor girl, I'm sick, so she's like going to be holding my hands like this. <laughs> so I'm very sick. Come on up, sweetie. This is what we're going to do. Don't look at me. I'm boring. Turn towards each other. I mean, I'm not the main show. They're the main show. So go ahead and just turn towards each other right now. Isn't this fun? Isn't this great? If your kids are grossed out, you're doing it right. That means you're doing, you're doing it the right way right now. Okay. In the presence of God and your family, husbands, we're going to start with you. In the presence of God and your family and friends, repeat after me. I offer you my solemn vow to be your faithful partner in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, in joy as well as sorrow. I promise to love you, to support you, to honor and respect you, and to cherish you as long as we both shall live. Okay, ladies, it's your turn. In the presence of God, your family and friends, repeat after me. I offer you my solemn vow. I offer you my solemn vow. To be your faithful partner. To be your faithful partner. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. In good times and in bad. In good times and in bad. In joy as well as sorrow. In joy as well as sorrow. I promise to love you. I promise to love you. To support you. To support you. To honor you. To let you watch ESPN. Oh, oh, wait, no. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that wasn't in there. Sorry. I thought that was in there. I'll get back to it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. To honor and respect you. To honor and respect you. And cherish you. And cherish you. As long as you both shall live. As long as we both shall live. All right, I give him a big old smooch right now. Let's go. Love you. I'm going to get you sick. I'm going to get her sick. So, How fun was that? Let's give all these couples a hand right now across all of our campuses. How cool is that? Now, I need to warn you, ladies, he's going to want to go home and, you know, consummate that marriage. Just saying. The guy earlier was like, man, you hooked me up, Pastor. Like, I'm here for you. <laughs> One last thing, and we'll get out of here. Singles, I want to tell you one last thing. You know, so many, so many singles are looking for their soulmate. And I get that. But the problem with the concept of a soulmate is that someone who can fulfill your soul. But there is no person that can do that. And so you'll be disappointed because they may be an amazing guy or girl, but they're a lousy Jesus. 
So I just want to remind you that the first thing we should be doing is giving our hearts fully to God and letting God's unconditional love fill us up from head to toe. Because when you're fully accepted in Christ, then you can wait patiently. Then you can trust the Lord's timing and watch him bring someone to you. I want to encourage you today. Maybe you're already in a marriage, but you realize, I don't know Christ. Well, it could be that you're, you're trying to get your needs met by your spouse when they're just not equipped to do that. They're not your soulmate. Our soulmate is Jesus. He's meant to fulfill us. So right now across all of our campuses, those watching online, you can pray a prayer and you can receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior. He came outside of his perfect circle of love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and gave his life for you. So he understands unconditional love. He did not need us yet he wants us. And now he waits for you to accept him. Would you pray this prayer with me right now across all of our campuses? You can just pray this prayer. You can just say it out loud. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just received Christ, no one's looking around, at all of our campuses, would you just lift your hand high right now if you just gave your life to Christ? Would you just hold your hand high? Thank you. Their hand's going up all across our churches. Thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. See your hands. Praise God. Anyone else? Hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Portland. Rockport. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Padre Island. Hold a hand high all the way up there in Stone Oak. Come on, Rockfield. Hold those hands high. We thank God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. If you're online with us right now, you can let us know in the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. It's out of that unconditional love that you've received that you can now love others without condition. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, for the practicality of your truth, Lord. Thank you, God, that we have learned today that we can be right with each other I pray, God, that, that this would be just a sweet time all day of loving words shared with one another, of encouragement, of affirmations. God, thank you that you have blessed us. Lord, I read in Proverbs 18 this morning that a man who finds a wife finds a treasure. Lord, thank you. I have found that treasure, and it's blessed me for 30 years. I pray your blessings over each of our marriages. I pray for these single people. They would hold out and get a vision for a godly marriage one day. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.